PBSI in the world. I'm John Batchelor. Hotel Mars, episode N. David Livingston, Dr. Space of the Space Show, my colleague and co-host and co-pilot. And we're headed to planets in the solar system. Guiding us is Dr. Jordan Bretzfelder. Planetary geology is a specialty, especially the wind. However, we're going to look particularly at Mars because Jordan was interviewed by Universe Today. Her thoughts about Mars and Mars for human beings. But the first question is what we have now, which I believe is seven different kinds of probes in rotation on the surface and until ingenuity left us in the, in the air. Jordan, congratulations for choosing planetary geology. That turns out to be the story on Mars. So my first question, given the Mars sample returns are waiting for us to come with the mission to, to return them to Earth, what is it that a human being can do on Mars that a robot cannot do? Good evening to you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. And as far as what humans can contribute to Mars surface science, uh, the rovers and other landed missions we've had have been great and have given us a wealth of information that we're still working to process. But human beings, as we learned with the Apollo missions, are capable of being very adaptable to different situations that might arise. They can make independent decisions knowing what the mission parameters are and goals. And they're able to navigate certain terrain types that might be difficult for different kinds of rovers or robotic vehicles. So there's a lot that a human can give us in a short amount of time that it might take a robot a much longer time to accomplish. David? Um, hi, Jordan. Um, since um, a, pl a mission to Mars is likely to involve some government money and some assistance, um, and you wrote an article about should we send humans there, do we really need the public's approval? I, I know we would need the government's approval, but what about the public? Do they have to approve this, and do we have to have the majority of the public or 10% of the public? How do you see public approval as necessity for going to Mars with humans? As I think we saw with the Apollo missions, you know, there will always be mixed opinions about investing in space exploration. But given the way our budgets are assigned in this country, I think the exact percentage of the population that would be required to be totally on board is difficult to say. But we would definitely need enough constituents urging their Congress people to give NASA and other entities the funds to execute the project. And I think that these sorts of missions, especially human led um, crewed missions, offer a lot of uh, sort of inspiration and drive the human spirit of exploration. And so I think it wouldn't be too challenging to get the public on board, especially as the missions are underway and we can watch other human beings exploring our solar system. You're a geologist. What is, it that, what is it that you want to achieve on the surface of Mars, presuming you're in one of the early missions? What would you especially look at? Of course, uh, a lot of interest and a lot of scientific interest in Mars is just uh, driven by the possibility of life early in Mars's history. And so, you know, answering that question, if we can, and better assessing what conditions existed in early Mars and how they changed and how that may have supported life or led to the conditions that are no longer able to support life, you know, learning more about what creates an environment that life can exist in is really the opportunity that Mars's surface offers us as far as studying um, 
climate history and geology. I'm glad you mentioned the Mars's history because I read that in the first billion years, there's thinking that there was liquid water on the surface of Mars. However, there's also the suggestion that what we're looking at are channels created by glaciers that are now in retreat before the, beneath the surface. Is that a debate in geology? Has that been settled, Jordan? As far as I'm aware, um, there's plenty of evidence that there was liquid water on the surface of Mars in a variety of locations, uh, namely Gale Crater, where Curiosity has been operating and driving around, as well as Jezero Crater and other places on Mars. And But additionally, there are actually glaciers on Mars as well. Um, there are evidence of glaciers in the past and some evidence of present-day glaciers, uh, but at different times in Mars's history, different percentages of the surface are thought to have been covered in ice and glacier bodies. So we can see the evidence of both liquid and ice. So the water. answer the answer is both. David? When do you believe we will actually be ready and capable to put humans on the on Mars? And uh, do you think that this will be a private mission like Musk wants to do, or will this be the NASA mission to go to Mars? I It would be hard to say an exact timeline, especially given that the Artemis missions, which are sort of our precursor and testing ground for the Mars missions, are on a shifting timeline. I know a lot of government agencies are targeting the 2030s, so we'll see if that happens. And as far as whether it's NASA or private industry, uh, that's also hard to say. And I'm interested to see how international governing bodies would handle a private mission being the first to operate on another planet. Well, your youth will get you to Mars, Jordan. So let's take you to Mars. <laughs> Here's uh, hoping. The surface of Mars and underground Mars. How do you imagine you'll be best suited uh, on Mars? Uh, the, we mentioned, you've mentioned in your universe today uh, that there are natural tunnels, uh, the the, the left of volcanoes underneath. Do we imagine, uh, speculate that we'll be living underground only? There has definitely been work and investigation into whether an underground uh, habitat on either the moon or Mars would be feasible and be useful as protection against radiation. But as far as I'm aware, most of the NASA architecture studies for habitats do plan for a surface habitat with possibly some sort of cover of Martian soil or regolith as radiation shielding, but not a truly underground habitat. So we don't, we at this point, we're still looking at, all, all we have is drawings. We're still looking at a shielded surface habitat with astronauts, cosmonauts, taikonauts operating outside in spacesuits. Is that what you're imagining? Yes. David? Uh, there are some in the space industry that support a human mission first to one of the two moons of Mars, Phobos or Deimos. takes less energy to get there, and apparently it's uh, better for life support for humans to be on the two moons rather than on Mars. What are your thoughts as a planetary geologist about humans making it to the moons before they make it to the surface of Mars? I think there's definitely value in as far as demonstrating technology needed to get humans to Mars safely and back. And I think any place that you can send humans to operate on a surface, they're definitely going to get valuable insights for the scientific community. But if you are hoping to answer the big Mars questions about where did the water go, 
is any of it left? And was there ever life? You do need to get onto the surface to answer those questions. So it would be a valuable first step, but I still think that we should focus on getting people to the surface. All right, Jordan, this is the fun part. We're going to give you an unlimited budget. You're a senior scientist, now planetary geologist, specializing in wind, atmosphere. What do you want to build? You can have as big a staff as you want. What's your imagination? Well, I would love to have the equipment available to actually answer all the questions that people have been answering about asking about Mars for decades. And that would require uh, people in my field of, you know, wind-driven and atmospheric properties, as well as a whole host of geologists and geophysicists and all the engineers in or needed in order to make the both the equipment function and the operation of the equipment run smoothly. Uh, having a base with a full complement of weather systems and having those kinds of systems and monitoring equipment on a lot of different parts of Mars, not just the couple landing sites we have to date, would really give us a much better picture of the current environment on Mars, which would let us learn a lot more about what Mars used to be like and what the geology and the history of Mars can tell us about past climate conditions. Uh, additionally, it would be excellent to have different kinds of technology demonstrations going on up there as far as developing the equipment we would need to have a longer-term presence on the surface for humans. And something that would be really great for actually being able to explore a wide area with a given crew would be a rover system that could sustain the crew within the rover for, you know, a week at a time so that they're able to go out and come back to base and do lots of science in a wide area from their one landing site. David, I think she's going to live there. What do you think, David? <laughs> um, let's ask her, do you want to go live there on Mars? I would love to. Um, I get asked that question a lot, and if I had the opportunity, I would absolutely go. One way, or do you want to come back? You know, coming back would be great. I think, as far as I'm aware, all the plans to date do include a plan for a return trip for the astronauts. But within reason, I would be willing to go and stay just for the sake of exploration. Dr. Jordan Bretzfelder, just UCLA, planetary geologist specializing in atmosphere and wind and ready for Mars. David Livingston, Dr. Space of the Space Show. This is Hotel Mars, Episode N. I'm John Batchelor.